Hi, I am Martin, and this is Words That Change You. Words fly all around us. Kind words, silly words, angry words. And they do so all day long. But how often does something written or spoken really feed our souls? Wouldn't it be nice if beyond the noise we could listen to words that make a difference? Words that change us. In Words That Change You, we'll examine words, events, concepts that have impacted us lately and see whether we could not glean some nuggets of wisdom to feed on and some tools that apply that for our lives. Tune in and be surprised. David's Third Life Crisis, Musings on a Painting. One of the most famous stories of the Old Testament is that of David. He starts as an obscure shepherd in the hills of Israel during the reign of King Saul. It was a time of relative precariousness for that kingdom. It was pressed regularly by various tribes and peoples at enmity with these Jews. David's first act of fame happened when the Philistines, one of those peoples, challenged Israel's army to a fight. In order to avoid bloodshed, they suggested a one-on-one -on -one combat, the winner of which would decide the battle. The Philistine contestant was a huge warrior, making all of Israel's warriors afraid. David happened to be in the area and volunteered. The fight was short, and David, with some shepherd's shrewdness, killed Goliath. That fight has since become a metaphor for the victory of the underdog. This conquest caused Saul to take notice, and soon enough, David was in his employ. That is where he became famous for playing the harp or the lyre, and with it chasing away Saul's depression. But the relationship soured on account of the latter's jealousy for two reasons. David's remarkable war exploits and his growing friendship with Jonathan, Saul's son. Eventually, David is chased from Saul's court and soon after pursued militarily. While Saul is bent on killing David, he in return shows great restraint, even when he has a chance to finish his adversary once and for all. David's patience pays off and eventually he succeeds Saul as Israel's king and becomes quite popular. Then his decline and eventual downfall is triggered by his adultery with Bathsheba, a married woman, and his having her husband killed. The consequences are dire. His kingdom ends up divided and David's son killed during the ensuing civil war. It is the period right around this time in his life that the 17th century Dutch painter Gerard von Honthorst chooses for his painting of David. David is clothed in rich and colorful vestments, clearly fit for a king. He holds his trademark harp, even though the happier times when he used to play it has passed. And his face reveals that he has aged. He looks heavenward with a gaze that reveals at the same time sadness, weariness, and the hope for heavenly intervention.
Whether we consider David's story in the Bible history or fiction, its author clearly wants to depict the rise and fall of a gifted man. What started with so much promise ended up with mixed results. Some would even say an outright failure. And the one who started off zealously, youthful and pure is now old, weary and jaded. Life's vicissitudes and his wrong choices have led to where he is now. Leonard Cohn, a contemporary Jewish singer who was fascinated by spiritual topics, asks a poignant question in one of his songs. What happens to the heart? As the lyrics show, Cohen observes that as life unfolds, different events leave their marks on every human being, most notably in the place that most profoundly reveals his personality, the heart. Tragedies, decisions, judgments, circumstantial changes, all of them contribute to our mental and emotional state when we grow older and thus shape our hearts. While there is so much to be proud of, life's experience inevitably is also filled with disappointments, and these seem often to weigh more heavily than our achievements. I recently chatted with a couple in Poland that had, by any worldly standards, achieved a great deal. They had worked hard to raise a family, first through the days of post-communist Poland, then through the huge changes which came about as their country morphed increasingly into a Western nation, climaxing in them joining the European Union. Hard work, financial risks, and great determination were needed for them to arrive to where they were now, with well-paying jobs, a paid-off house, and even a little dacha in the mountains. Yet the oil in the ointment of their satisfied existence was that they were estranged from their children, both of whom had emigrated to other countries and who stayed in touch only very sporadically. Of course, they asked themselves, what went wrong? A similar question seems to be haunting David in this picture. What just happened, he seems to ask himself, but maybe also the gods, indicated by his gaze directed at heaven. Is there something that can be done to make up for lost time, he wonders, even though his son Jonathan is dead and his country divided. Can he ever play the harp again, or has joy left his life forever? While a later picture of David by Frederick Layton depicts this king as close to death, his crown on the floor, and his words indicating that he is done, the quote is, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Von Honthorst's version seems slightly more ambiguous. David still wears his crown and other marks of his position. The harp harkens back to his youth, and his look seems to oscillate between hope and resignation. This all might be an overinterpretation, maybe caused by my own age. But we can see in this David a man in what is somewhat called a third life crisis. While at midlife, a person suddenly realizes that the direction of their life's curve is about to change from upwards to downwards. People in their third life crisis have known this for a long time. Their thoughts are more occupied by a realization 
of how finite their existence is. To quote Psalm 19, their days are 70 or 80 if they are strong. The exact number is irrelevant. The fact that there are only a few years left to finish the task or repair one's mistakes weighs heavily on one's mind. Will I get a chance to be happy again? Will some difficulties sort themselves out? Will the gods be favored? According to many people's evaluation, Boris Johnson was and is a supremely gifted leader, highly intelligent, witty, and well-liked. Yet he made a set of decisions, such as disregarding the law of the land and lying publicly, which led to his eventual demise. Jean Vanier, an impressive Canadian philosopher, founded the most well-known organization working with handicapped people. His work was known the world over. He wrote books and had speaking engagements all around the world. But he abused his own power and with it the trust of many women he worked with and brought his whole organization into disrepute. Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of Theranos, was considered the hottest item in Silicon Valley because her firm had developed a groundbreaking method of blood testing. Famous investors such as Henry Kissinger lined up to support her work. But hubris led her to, quote-unquote, cook the books in order to become richer more quickly, and the rest is history. All three of these are contemporary equivalents of David, highly gifted people who at some point make choices he lived to regret. Even if our own lives have not yet reached the two-third mark, yes, if they have not even touched their zeniths yet, the following questions married some pondering. What are the most important people, things, and values in my life? And where am I in danger of sacrificing them, often unintentionally or unconsciously, for other, ultimately less important achievements? How can I avoid the regrets I see on David's face? He clearly made choices which he now wishes he hadn't. Killing a man in order to satisfy his sexual desire. Fighting his enemy only to see his son killed. Allowing unbridled political ambition, which led to a national crisis. How can I avoid such choices? How do I avoid my heart being changed so that I no longer see truth for what it is? This was Words That Change You with me, Martin Steinbreitner. It was produced by Fritz Lowy, Piroshka Kacha, Harry Kalef, and Jacob Dubibert. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Also feel free to leave us feedback or questions on Facebook under Einstein Podcasts. Until next time.